0: Hello and welcome to 10 by 9 where nine people have up to 10 minutes each to tell a true story from their own life. It was started by Potter Gautuma and me Paul Doran in the black box in Belfast in 2011 and we love it and this is the 10 by 9 podcast. Uh, we have a great mix of stories on this podcast for you two from Zoom, and one from a recent Black Box event. Really, it's been wonderful listening back. So many fantastic moments. Anyway, let's get started and back to September 2021. It was our first evening in front of a live audience for 18 months, and Padraig and I had picked the theme at the height of lockdown. Here's Herbie Wilson with his story of gratitude.
1: <clears throat> I'm not sure what range this mic has, so I'm going to walk about a little bit. So, not much. Excellent. It's not got much range either. Okay. <laughs> When was the last time your partner passed you something that that so offended your sensibilities that you couldn't find the words to structure together a sentence that you were so offended by that you just had to retreat uh, to bed uh, to compose yourself? Now, out of all of the questions that might be uh, flooding into your minds right now, I'm probably not going to answer many of them, uh, if any, uh, because... I have no idea what you could be thinking or what uh, things could possibly zip into your mind. Uh, I am uh, what some would refer to as neurodivergent, uh, or atypical, or part of the neurodiverse community. So This means people with conditions such as uh, ADHD, uh, autism, uh, dyspraxia, dyslexia, and that's kind of as far as I went in the dictionary, but you get the idea of what's going on here. So. With the majority of society uh, made by and for uh, neurotypical people, uh, it's difficult for someone uh, like me to navigate uh, a world set up by uh, and for the majority. You see, I don't always pick up on the the subtle cues of human interaction, the back and forth of people. Uh, I I don't understand uh, completely the nuances uh, that is with human interactions and I don't always entirely know when I finally alienated someone enough. (laughs) Uh, Another thing that causes me difficulty is is those abstract notions and concepts, you know, things that are difficult to visualise. And and gratitude is one of them, and so I'm here to talk uh, a little bit about that and a little bit of how I've alienated one or two people in the past. So maybe about four years ago, a Spanish friend of mine invited me to her Christmas Eve party. Uh, I'm not from Belfast, by the way, so but I was doing uh, the radio show on Christmas Day, so it kind of suited well. You know, I was going to come up to Belfast, do the whole thing. So I, uh, yeah, I went into the party with all of these uh, displaced people. Kind of fitted in really well there, but so prepared myself in, I went into the party and I do what I always do, find a seat in the corner, look around, judge out who do I consider safe or, or fairly relatively comfortable to be with and in the front room there was dancing. I like dancing, it's predictable. So I went in there and I found myself this nice little perch and a big bay window so it suited me just fine. And it didn't hurt that, in my opinion, uh, the best looking girl in the party was also in there. And, you know, so we started talking and <laughs> And uh, I, I can't remember exactly how the back and forth came, but what my, the general gist of it is I'm sitting on the seat and she's going to sit beside me. And I remember exactly what she said and how it started to go wrong. She said to me, sure you could fit at least three of my asses on the seat beside you. And so I looked down. <laughs> and the women in the house know that this is already going to be bad, OK? <laughs> The, the fellows will get there in a minute, you know? Quicker than, than I did. So, so I look down and I start to calculate in my mind, right, so there's, there's me here, uh, how much room there is, you know, comfort zone and all that, because I don't like to be all bunched up on someone. And my response to her, as I looked at her, was, well, two anyway. <laughs> because to me, that's a logical answer. That's a logical response to what she's just said. And I I had absolutely no concept of what she could be thinking uh, with what I've just said to her and her butt. So... so But you know, it wasn't too bad. I ended up getting her number. It just took a little while later to alienate that individual. (laughs) So I live alone. And I have done for many years. And whenever my ex uh, moved in, she did something unexpected. The groceries. No, no, but understand my point of view. You know, I'm living alone, and if I don't do something, they don't get done. And then this other person comes in, starts walking around all independent and whatnot, and does the groceries on me. I mean, it was a surprise to me, but that was okay. And so I was all like, oh, you've you've done the groceries. And she starts to bring out all of these things, and... uh, Out came this brand of barbecue sauce that I didn't recognise. I should maybe be explaining, not that I didn't recognise, it. I saw it before, and I get I am hard work. You know, beautiful classic cars generally are high maintenance. But but I have got three types of barbecue sauce which are acceptable to me, you know? But again, it wasn't that big of a deal, just in the groceries, let it go. And then came the baked beans, you know? And now I would imagine probably visions are starting to flash into your mind about what baked beans look like. To me, baked beans come in a four-pack and they're made by Branstons. That's it. And these were hangs, you know. But that was okay. Again, we've had quite a lot of healthy uh, back and forth, healthy debates about it. Um, friendly debates, I should say. Uh, but what's the best brand of beans? I, I did a whole thing about it on the radio and stuff. It kind of really spun out of place, but uh, not that I was trying to prove a point, as you will understand. <laughs> So anyway, I just thought, I I can't remember what I was doing, but I thought, I'm on my way upstairs. And then she says, here, take these upstairs with you. And she threw it to me, and I caught them in my hand. And this, to me, was probably the first clue that something might have been off. And so I looked down, I was like, whoa, what's this? She says, Andrex, triple ply, pure luxury, baby. And they were unspecial. I was like, uh, toilet roll is Nicky, it comes in a nine pack and it comes from home bargains. <laughs> and she said to me, look, I'm not going to go to five different shops whenever I'm doing your groceries because to me, vegetables from the green grocers, you know, butcher for the meat, cleaning products in three other stores, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> and so this was the first clue to me that maybe something was was just a little bit off. And so I was all like, no, I don't understand this, this, I just the oppressive heat started to come over me and, and I, just, I, was, I was really struggling to, to put it all together. Still assuming that this is normal human behaviour, uh, my logical brain was starting to click in. And you know, Andrex is better than Nikki, she's not wrong. Triple Ply <laughs> is much softer, she's not wrong. It was a great price. She's not wrong, but this is not the toilet paper I get. (laughs) As he said, this was the first subtle hint that maybe my mind, my processes were not uh, typical. And it's not that I arbitrarily like one product over the other, uh, but for neurodivergent uh, people, I'm not even sure the proper term, and I don't want to be offending anybody, um, but the world is unpredictable, it's stressful, and the products that I use, the things that I do, is to try and develop, I hate to say relationship with the product, but you get what I mean? It's like, it's to try and remove some of that stress and, uh, and uncertainty. And, you know, it, again, it's funny, but I know the integrity of Nikki. Nobody wants anything to break apart, you know, whenever you're doing stuff. Like, maybe I've got high demands on my toilet paper, or maybe I'm just too rough for the paper. I'm not so sure. Even the fact that it's a nine-pack, it starts to reassure me that, uh, as part of the world, I can see that, you know what, we're getting low. After toilet roll six, I'm starting in my mind, I'm like, "Mm, there's only six left, I need to get toilet roll. Then if there's only five, I need to get it. So if I start with a four-pack, I'm already thinking, we're running out of toilet paper. (laughs) And they're not even open yet. And so I'm grateful uh, as well for all of the the different types of support uh, that I can now make access to because I'm aware of these things that are going on in my mind. Um, I'm on a waiting list to see about getting assessed and and that's going to open up a whole branch of other things as well. And so it's also just really helpful for me to understand that uh, although although the world is made for neurotypical people, um, it's not... um, and I'm not neurotypical, it means that that's okay. That you know, while your frontal lobe cortex is purring away, like a Nissan or a Ford, you know, you're going through all the processes, zooming yourself forward, what I've got's like into a unicycle. You know, little clown on there with the big boots, every time I try to make a decision, it's not easy. But anyway, now I'm aware of it, and I've got, I haven't got everything worked out, I haven't got all the strategies in place, but uh, I know that it's not a character flaw with me anymore. I know that the things that I make, they're not bad judgments, but they're just this flipping coin on a unicycle, you know? But anyway, thank you.
0: Thanks so much, Herbie. I can't believe anyone would choose to buy their toilet roll from home bargains. But whatever works for you. Now, remember, if you have a story for 10x9 or you want to know more about what we do, check out our website, 10 9com There's plenty of info there, including all our dates for 2022 and a few other bits and pieces. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Next up, we're going back to June 2021, when we teamed up with the Belfast Photo Festival for One Picture, One Story. And Katerina Hart joined us via Zoom from the Netherlands.
2: I grew up in a commune in the southwest of the Netherlands in the 1980s with all women. So it's just my mom and me and lots of other women. And in that commune, everybody seemed to engage in prayer healings and flower seances and gurus and paranormal and that kind of thing. My mom did too. She took courses in drawing auras and getting in touch with heavenly guides and healing by touch. And she took many of those courses with two ladies, which were a clear sighted and identical twin. And that's really the truth. You cannot make this up if you try to. So, Uh, But when I was 14, my mom quit all the classes. You know, she said, there's so little laughter in that world. I just want to have a good laugh and have a pint or two. She was done. She wanted to have fun. So my mom started her own theater company. They brought funny stories, plays, and she also did a lot of street theater. And we never talked about the courses again. So fast forward to... 20 years later, my mom was seriously ill. She had always been skinny, but now she was so fragile in the white pillows, her red hair in peace. My mom did not want to see anyone else except for me and her friends from the commune, because as she said, I look like shite and I don't want anyone to see me like this. My mom had always been a very proud, very strong-willed woman so um, the doctors couldn't do anything for her anymore so she had come home to die actually that's how it was so on a sunday she was lying in hospital bed in the living room she didn't eat anymore she didn't drink anymore and she sank further and further into a coma she would breathe intermittently and if she was breathing it was with one of those huge, huge gaps That was the only sound you'd hear because we'd sat there watching over her, my mom's friends and me, and my boyfriend was somewhere in the house doing some chores because he didn't know what else to do. And suddenly the doorbell rang. So I opened the door, yeah? And one of the ladies of that clairvoyant identical twin was standing in front of the door in a large purple robe. I I felt I had to come along. I felt I was needed, said the purple lady. Well, I explained that my mom was dying and had fallen into a coma. But then the purple lady said, well, in that case, she called me. So I already wanted to close the door as I knew my mom didn't want to see anyone. But the people from the commune were very happy that a spiritual guide was added to improve the transition from earth to heaven. So, yeah, she came in. The purple lady kept on talking and talking. She knew exactly what kind of job I had. And she knew uh, my boyfriend and I had cancelled our vacation because my mom was suddenly so sick. Do you see now, said the people in the living group, "eh, do you see that she's really a clairvoyant? That's, That's very special that she's here. No. So that's how my mom's deathbed was accompanied by a lady in a large purple dress. And all you would hear is my mum breathing and the murmur of the purple lady. I was wondering, would you offer coffee to someone who visits a deathbed uninvited or a sandwich? It seemed better not to, because I still hoped she would just somehow take the hint and walk away if we ignored her a little. But in the meantime, she kept whispering, and sometimes she say she'd say something out loud, like, "He does not say much about my boyfriend. I feel he comes from abroad, doesn't he?" And that was not at all the truth. So yeah, I didn't understand, and I just we just went on with everything. After my mom really died, she um, she left very suddenly. The day before the funeral, a few days later, I tried to get some sleep. I was so exhausted, but I couldn't sleep because of grief and anxiety and all that. But I was exhausted. So, And suddenly, I was as, as, wake, as awake as I would ever be. Because then and there, I suddenly knew it. That lady, the purple lady, she read my column. At that time, I wrote columns for yeah, a newspaper in Holland about my mom dying among other subjects, there was something in there about my job and how we cancelled our vacation. So it was described that my boyfriend had just moved uh, to the Netherlands after working in England for a while. So that's why she thought he was a foreigner. So I realised that all the things she knew just came from the newspaper. My mom's funeral was in the theatre where she often had played, and I... St- I told him my speech about how it really had been, how wonderful she had been, but also how stubborn. And while I was talking and I gazed over the audience, I saw the purple lady sitting there. Now, I am pretty much an introvert, bit of an insecure, shy person. But at that moment, okay, it was after my speech, but still, I didn't doubt for a second. So I walked to her. Tapped her on the shoulder and said, I see right through you. And if I hear that you are trying to get some money or anything, I'll call the police. And now you go, there is the door. She didn't say anything. She just nodded and left. And we never heard from the purple lady again.
0: Thanks so much, Katerina. What an amazing woman your mother was. Thanks for introducing us to her. And thanks for joining us. My least favourite bit of the podcast, rattling the begging bowl, but here goes. As you know, 10x9 is always free and always will be, but we'd be really grateful if you can help us keep it going, the events and the podcast, with a donation via Patreon or PayPal. Our overheads are low, but just now our income is lower. There are links at the website 10x9.com, but we also know that we're all being squeezed right now, and so if it's not possible, please relax. The best way to support us is to keep listening. Okay, on to our third story, and it's from a first-timer. He joined us for our January event on Zoom, when the thing was at home. Here's Jared Gormley.
3: After several months, I caved in. Daddy, Daddy, can we we get a goldfish? Come on, can we get one? And this had been ongoing, and after much in-depth discussion, uh, talking about the responsibilities of caring for a goldfish and all the roles and tasks that involved, we got a new addition to our household, Bobby. Bobby the goldfish. Let's face it, he was only going to be there for a year, isn't that right? They only lived for a year or two. Well, anyway, five years later, Bobby was still there, part of the family. Um, after that initial blush of joy and looking after the fish, you probably can imagine who the, uh, the principal care, the goldfish caring duties fell upon, yours truly. Um, but you know what? Bobby and I kind of bonded over those five years. Generally, I was the, the first person to get up in the morning time, switch on the light, and there would be Bobby with the big eyes looking at me. We both surfaced up. We welcomed each other. It was a routine. He was part of the family. And, but unfortunately, the time arrived. I switched on the lights. Bobby was there, but he was in the bottom of the tank. He didn't look too great. Breathing rapidly, he was, you know, I think the time had arrived. So we thought that this would be, you know, an opportunity uh, to maybe introduce the concept of loss uh, to the children so we could prepare them for the inevitable. Anyway, one month later, Bobby was still there, Sitting in the bottom of the tank, breathing, and slightly bloated. My goodness, what, what are we going to do? I looked at my wife. We looked at each other. We knew that, look, something had to be done. But my wife said, oh, well, I'm not going to do it. Are you going to do it? No, I, I, I couldn't flesh the goldfish down the toilet. That's, that's, we can't just do that. We, we had the emotional bond with Bobby. So we turned our attention to other ways that we could do this so we rang we rang the vets and we waited for the call got through and i asked the receptionist look i'm inquiring you know is it potential that you could help us if we want to put down a goldfish do you know that sensation when somebody says hold on a second and they're they're putting you on loudspeaker and gather, gathering a crowd around the telephone could could, could you say that again um I wonder if you could put down that goldfish for me. After much consternation, they said, look, really, you know, this is something that you could probably do yourself uh, and give us some advice. In fact, there's even websites of goldfish euthanasia. How do we do this? Okay, we decided we'd best just do that. So uh, we looked online on Google and sure be told, there was websites dedicated to how, how to uh, humanely dispatch your uh, goldfish. We looked, and the number one method was to use clove oil. Um, So, putting drops of this in a small bowl, and uh, uh, that should hopefully dispatch Bobby to the great goldfish bowl in the sky. So, we didn't have any. So, we nipped down to the local chemist in the local village uh, and asked for some clove oil. Do you have any clove oil? Uh, No, sorry, we don't do that. Um, Are you having dental pain? Is there anything that I could? Uh you instead. I didn't really want to tell her why I was wanting to buy some clove oil. I said no that's fine that's okay I'll, I'll make do. Next method on the list was to add alcohol um, and they recommended vodka. So went to the local off-license, asked for the, the cheapest quarter bottle of vodka, 12 o'clock in the afternoon and Lo and behold, the person behind the counter knew me and said, oh, I haven't seen you in years. And all of a sudden, there I was buying a quarter bottle of vodka in the middle of the, the day. It just didn't set a good profile. So anyway, got the bottle, went back home. Uh, we set up the bowl. We poured the uh, recommended amount of vodka into the bowl. And we sat back and observed what would happen. But of course, nothing happened. Bobby, Bobby was still there. What, what, what we were going to do. Uh, this, this, this is just not working out. So we then decided to um, go to the next method on the list. And this was to, to put Bobby in the freezer. No induce haste, we got Bobby in the bowl uh, with, uh, with the vodka and we put him into the fridge freezer. Closed the door and waited. Waited an hour uh, and then opened the freezer. Of course, It was a rookie error. We forgot that alcohol lowers the freezing point. So there was Bobby, after being in the freezer, still looking at us and breathing away. My goodness, Um, this was now emotionally (laughs) uh, the worst thing we'd ever (laughs) experienced. We then decided uh, that we just had to close the freezer and left him there um, overnight. And yes, Bobby did go up to the great goldfish bowl in the sky. We then decided uh, to give him the ceremonial burial in the garden with the kids, just to give them the idea and knowledge and experience of what it's like to uh, have loss. And uh, he was he was had um, that ceremonial burial in the garden. And of course, our children then turned around and said, "Daddy, can we get another goldfish?" I think it was fair to say we never ever bought
0: another goldfish. Uh, thanks so much, Jared, for that lovely glimpse into the Gormley home, and thanks to for giving us the title of this podcast. A fitting tribute, I hope, to the near-indestructible Bobby, the Rasputin of goldfish. And that is it for this podcast. We love hearing from you, so keep in touch with us on social media, email, which is story at 10by9.com, or via the website, which is 10by9.com. Keep an eye out for the upcoming events and themes, and tell as many people as you can about the podcast. It is the best way to get noticed. I'm Paul Dorn, and I'll be back with another podcast soon for now, though. Bye-bye.